Hello and welcome to the Helping Organisations Thrive podcast. This is your host, Julian Roberts. This podcast is to provide leaders with insights, discussions and robust strategies to help their companies thrive in these challenging times. We will be interviewing business leaders, owners and experts in the field of business resilience. Welcome to Helping Organisations Thrive. Uh, today, I have the pleasure of Kezia Robinson. Uh, welcome, Kezia. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it's good to have you. You're all the way from Boston, uh, so you're four hours behind us uh, here in the UK. Uh, so good to have you on the show. I'm just going to tell the audience a little bit about you. Um, you're a business strategist, coach and investor, and you've got uh, over 15 years of working with CEOs and leaders across sort of multiple industries. Um, you're also the founder of uh, Cassia Partners, which is uh, an independent firm with expertise in growth enterprises, pivots, turnarounds, and entrepreneurial uh, corporate initiatives. So a wealth of experience, uh, and that's why you're on the show, uh, which is great, and I really uh, value your time you're giving up today. Um, before we get into what we want to talk about today, I want to find a bit more about you and really understand what you love about what you do. Oh, God. There's so many things. It's really um, it's really such a great question. Uh, and unfortunately, I know when we ask a lot of people what they love about what they do, they'll, they'll say something like, well, I like the people I work with. And you go, <laughs> and, or, you know, or I like my paycheck. And um, uh, I really love getting to know different businesses. So I come out of the investment world, started my career in small cap investing. Probably, I always tell people, if I added it all up, I probably met with a thousand companies. Um, and I've actually, I'm now 20 years into my career. Uh, <laughs> over, I got to update my LinkedIn profile. And that's something where the, just the, the joy of discovering and getting into it. And then the, that is sort of the technical part that's so fascinating for me. And then I combine that with the really wonderful kind of similar joy of discovering the leaders that I work with uh, and kind of helping them unpack themselves, figure out what the raw DNA is, and then put it back together it's kind of like the same Lego kit, but we're going to build something new with it, uh, both as a business and as a leader. So it's that's so much fun, and it's just wonderful to see the transformations. Brilliant! I love that analogy of the the Lego kit. That's, that's a wonderful uh, thing to think about. Um, what what made you realize that you love that about what you're doing right now? I mean, have you always done that? Have you always loved that? Or have you always known it? Or was there a moment? It's, it was a series of moments. So I would I would love to tell you I had some transcendent conversation or something, a lightning bolt, or I've always known what I wanted to do. But I really was someone who ping-ponged around a lot, focused on what I was, what other people thought I was good at. So I was often, it was like, well, you're really smart, or you're really good at this, you're really good at that. And I would kind of act in, a, I would say, in a reflexive manner. Mm-hmm. And, and I eventually started to look at what were the things that made the most difference? I wanted to create value. I wanted to really help businesses transform, which is why I got a public market investing where you're always just 30,000 feet away. And I started getting to know leaders and I was doing a lot of consulting work and consulting work is, is great, but it's, I'm, I have the answer. I come to you I bring you the answer. And then you take my PowerPoint and you put it on the shelf most of the time, <laughs> maybe five, 6% comes through, or I did some interim management. I turned around a small business I went in, I ran the business, 
it worked when I was running it and then I left, right? And the business was set up to work for me, not for the actual CEO. And the business then began, began to kind of drift back down again. So what I really, where I got into this was looking at um, when did it work best? Because I wanted the businesses to succeed mm-hmm. and it worked best when I was working with people where we could build the business around them and we could really eventually build the business so that they could grow themselves out of it but ultimately build play to their strengths and help them develop their leadership that suited them so that the business would thrive with them as the leader. Brilliant. And I like that approach where you're almost being people centric, building businesses around people. Uh, I don't think you mentioned service solution product at all there. It's it's all about the people and, um, you got to have a product, but like robots don't rule the world yet. Uh, I have a, <laughs> I have a colleague who's always talking about the robots are coming to rule the world. But, you know, people still make all the decisions when it comes down to it. And mm. and we tend to think of human beings sometimes as this, like we like this idea we don't behave rationally or that we're, we're the problem, people problems, as opposed to looking at really as, you know, we do behave rea- rationally when you get into the, the crux of it. Mm. And also, we are the solution, not the problem. So mm. um, I guess that's people-centric. Yeah. No, and, and just, just on that, I, I want to explore this whole aspect of how we create in organizations, uh, whether small or big, uh, this sort of high performance. And and the thing I come with that, and we, and we talked just before, uh, there's a there's almost a fallacy that, that you can have sustained high performance and that watch out thing called burnout. And I, I want us to just explore, well, first, how do we create a high performing sort of leadership team or, or an organization and just what your thoughts on that and what your experience of interacting with organizations on that particular topic? Well, I think all businesses uh, fundamentally start with how you create value and thinking about what is performance Instead of thinking about performance in terms of a dollars, we get very fixated on these uh, kind of concrete metrics. And, and when I say concrete, they're the things that like come into your QuickBooks or come into your accounting system. They're easy for you to find. So they're not necessarily that there's lots of other metrics out there which have a lot of tangibility, even if they're qualitative. But we tend to anchor on the ones that's like, well, I can see how much revenue we're doing, right? So that's our profit. That's And that, yeah. I can see what our profit is, and that's our performance metric. When you focus more on how you create value for the community, right, for the client or the customer, whomever you're selling to, and then internally, you start to get a much better sense of what performance is. So I think a lot of what happens with teams is that we are rewarding things that are not actually creating very much value. Um, Prime example is hard work. We reward all the time, oh, they're a hard worker, or I see they're working hard. and you know we're our culture of work of hard work. It's in, this is our ethic. Is it, it's very much something that we're kind of addicted to. Um, it's you could say it's Western, but you see it. I think it's a business culture, uh, and that's something. Although, like, although hard work is in some way you can't really measure it, really, can you? Because I think people it's a perception, isn't it? In reality, right. people can create a perception that working hard, but Absolutely. actually, are they working? And it's interesting concept, right? Isn't it? Oh, we get stuff, you get all this dysfunctional stuff like FaceTime and your hours logged in. And, uh, but also this, like we do, there's a tendency to create, you know, the busyness, right? There's a lot of, I, everyone I work with, I say is doing too much and not getting enough done. 
And mm-hmm. so when we value what I say, when you value the effort, right? You're, and it's a perception, but when you value the effort, you actually aren't valuing the ultimate value that's created. So we look at performance as, well, dollars, total dollars. And then we look at whether, and it's not like, are you making more dollars and for per unit of effort? It's almost like, well, you need to work really hard and like where we tie them so closely together that we lose the goal, which is to create more value for every, you know, whether it's an hour, however you want to measure it, but for, for every piece of energy that I put into mm-hmm. the business, my team, every piece of energy they put in the business, we should be creating more and more value and you can monetize the value. So I know it's a little esoteric. Um, no, no, no. And it's interesting because I, I think it, it's important to get, clarity on on the, the, what performance is and how we measure it um yeah. and i agree with you often organization it's down to the basically their profit or their sales or combination and something in between that um you talk about value how how do we measure the value what, what, in terms of how do you sort of conceptualize that value so i and again i tend to work with smaller businesses where it's a little bit easier for people to capture qualitative um, but I I put people into, I said, look, it's an energy investment matrix. Like you're looking at your mental and emotional energy investment, and you're looking at whether you get a positive or negative return on it. So you can run that with a larger organization where you can have people do a survey. Essentially, they map their you know tasks, especially their tasks, their responsibilities. And they look at, is this something I'm putting? It takes a lot of mental and emotional energy or a, a low amount of mental and emotional energy out of me. And then is that, do I get a positive or negative return from it? And when you run that, you often are really able to isolate what I call the energy drains. And that's a place where sometimes that's a structural issue with a business. This would be something like a place where they value FaceTime, right? So if you're in a larger company and there's a culture valuing FaceTime, it's then you really need to go to the, that's like tackling some of the ethos of the company. With smaller businesses, a lot of times there's a, what I find is, and this is true in larger businesses too, that there's a lack of delegation. So people have taken on tasks and they continue to do them, even though they're not a good use of their, of their effort, right? If you're going to have some effort put out, it should be at things that then generate energy for you. So you're feeling, it's kind of like running a marathon. If you just run the marathon to finish the marathon, what was the point of that? If I know a guy who runs a marathon once a month, he runs a marathon because he likes running marathons, right? So I look at that as a big focus for delegation is to first help people really separate what are the energy drains and in a tactical way, like you'll have a list of, you know, and, and it's like responding to customer service calls. Okay, well, that's something you can delegate, right? Why are you the CEO of this company doing all of the, the Facebook and comments, right? Why are you responding to all of the people on Instagram? I mean, you'd be surprised with small business. Somebody have a couple million dollars of revenue and they'll be still on, on Instagram <laughs> responding to everybody who says that my package didn't arrive yet. So yeah. that's something to start with is to really look at just isolating what are the tasks that you're doing that you should not be doing. And and does this, this, this we'll come on to the delegation piece in a minute, but does this, yeah. this sort of considering the whole what impact am I having in terms of what I do and whether that's when I go into a meeting you know I always do talk to leaders about you can't measure your impact in some ways you can because you can sense when you go into a meeting how people respond how people act and then after the meeting you can see the 
what what is generated out of that in terms of pa passion, maybe some activity, mm -hmm. and it's that's the impact. But you you don't have a KPI scorecard that measures that impact. And I think it's been as leaders being cognitive of our impacts we have, whether we're talking as we are on right now, or whether we're on a phone or over doing an email, is the impact. And I I always get leaders to think about what whatever you're going to do, what impact is it going to have? Is that going to get to your sort of final vision, purpose of your business? And if it does, then the dollars, the pounds will follow along with it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really worry about that. Um, so going on to the delegation, and um, I've got a, a view on delegation. Uh, I call it empowering. I don't know if it is, is that the same thing to you? Is Because... <laughs> It depends on what you're delegating into whom, right? Yes, because yeah. it's interesting. I remember my my dad. This was oh, must have been over thirty odd years ago. He had a book. He was doing this management course, and it said, "Don't do delegate." Uh, and it's a phrase I've sort of stuck with me. But I think sometimes delegation is, can be deemed as a negative, as in, as in people just throwing people at things. Yeah, you do it. So right. it'd be interesting to understand your view on delegation and how we should do it in a way that it's makes more impact and more beneficial for everybody in the organization. Well, step one is that isolating what are the things that really are uh, the drains, right? You know, you're putting a lot of energy in and they are just sucking the life out of you. And then what are your minor annoyances? What we often do is we delegate the minor annoyance, but we don't delegate the drain. Because we think the drain is really important because we're putting so much energy into it. So we take these things that are minor annoyances and then we don't question whether we've given this someone who actually finds that to be not that big a deal. Right. We'll go, oh, customer service. Well, there are people who like work for a living in customer service. Like there's a heads of customer service. You can have a fantastic customer service organization, but if you treat customer service like it's this terrible thing mm. and then you just delegate it down to whomever happens to sit right below you. You've set the, the expectation that this is a bad, number one, this is something nobody wants to do. And then you've just, you willy nilly assigned it to someone, regardless of whether or not this is going to suit them. Mm. So I, I do behavioral assessments with all of my clients. And that's one of the things is to get a sense of just because you don't like something doesn't mean that another person, you know, wouldn't, right? I mean, and often in smaller businesses, that's outsourcing. People do their own books for a very long period of time. And I'm like, there are entire like there's an entire industry, it's called bookkeeping and accounting of people who like to do the numbers. Like, why would you do it yourself? So I'm very good at it as well. Yes. Like why, you know, your, your step one is always, you're trying to delegate things to someone who's better at it than you are. Um, this is when it gets harder is when we start talking about for, especially for leaders about delegating things that you think you do well. That's the next, but the first phase is always, let's just start to, um, you know, and, and there's a, I, I know another coach who says, he says, delete, delegate, do. So the first thing is like, let's look at these drains and let's just start saying like, what is the value of this, this activity? Mm. Like, and, and often there's no value. You think you should do it, but there isn't a value or it's easily outsourceable. Then you look at delegate and with delegate again is, does the organization need to do it? Sometimes we have this, I walked both ways in the snow to school every day, kind of, well, I had to do this annoying task modeling, for example, in finance. I had to build all these really complicated financial models. So that's what we hired junior people to do. And it's like, well, actually, that's something that AI probably could do better. So it would make more sense for you to hire somebody and train them 
to use the AI system to build these models and then to and then train people to evaluate whether the models really reflect reality. That's a better use of everyone's time than saying than delegating down. Well, we need these models and we're going to pay these junior people and grind them into the into the dust. So a lot of it is really being that upfront assessment of you know what is below your pay grade. And I say that with the greatest kindness, right? You should be constantly upgrading so that things, more things are below your pay grade. Mm. And then looking at like, do we need to do it at all? Does the organization need to do it at all? Who is best suited to doing this? And then if no one is best suited to doing it, okay, then we need like, am I taking the right attitude? Do I think of this as something that's a pain in the butt? That's really not that big a deal. Sometimes we have psychological weight. Mm. Um, around, you know, deleting. I mean, sometimes I can't delete my emails. I'm like, oh, I have so many emails. And it's because I have this, well, what if I didn't respond to someone? I'm worried about whether, so there's, it's not actually about the email deletion. It's about my personal anxiety that I might miss something important. But if I have a thousand emails in my box, I've already missed something important. So what's the big deal if I just delete it all? So, um, so when I work with people, I say baby steps to delegation. Let's work through this process of identifying weighting them, what's actually important. Then if you're going to delegate, who who should be doing it in your team based on what you know about them? Mm. Um, And then ultimately, if you do have to do something uh, because it makes sense for you right now, what what is it that's making it uh, an energy drain? So. Yes, yeah, that's, and it's that particularly business owners or people in sort of small teams, they feel this sense of they started something in terms of a process and then they right. feel they've got to keep it going because that's what they've done. But yeah. actually, it's understanding what, what people's role is in terms of, you know, because I would say you never delegate purpose or vision sort of to anybody else if you're, if you're the owner or the leader because that's your mandates and for you to sort of drive, uh, you don't delegate, oh, can you go and write me a vision statement or a mission, whatever, that's your thing, obviously in, in, in collaboration with other people. And it's um, that clarity of what what's my role, what's my understanding of that, and how do I then sort of part that on somebody else that's appropriate. It's not just chucking things I don't like doing, it's, right. it's putting things out which are appropriate to other people. So when you do delegate stuff to other people, What's the best way of doing that in a way that's really effective? A, makes people feel valued, uh, but also make sure that that task or that process is accomplished in a way that you would like it to be done as well. So I do think that when you talk about empowering, which you're, is, um, is to separate delegating tasks from delegating authority over decisions and then ultimately delegating control. Uh, and so that's to the point of the vision. The vision, as you're growing, belongs to the business. So it, if you're the CEO and you really want to grow something and you want it to have lasting power legacy, that vision ultimately gets transferred from you to the organization. And that way then you can leave because you're no longer the, the required visionary, right? You're no longer the keeper of the vision and the purpose. You have effectively transferred it into the organization. That is not an overnight process, right? That's something that takes Mm. time. Um, But when you think of it in that way, then the organization does needs to distribute authority, right? It needs to distribute control with some 
protocol of how decisions are made, right? Based on the mission and, and the vision and the purpose. So mm-hmm. if you start looking at even when you're delegating tasks and you want to go in and, and break down these tasks as to who should be doing what, it's going, well, what is the inherent authority that would come eventually with this set of tasks? Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to delegate the books, right? I might outsource that, but at some point I have to think, am I bringing that back in? Because what we're talking about is allocation of financial resources Mm. and somebody else needs to be involved. I'm not the only person who should be involved in the conversation about the allocation of financial resources. Mm. So I still may hire a bookkeeper, but I'm looking on my team for who's going to manage the relationship with the bookkeeper. Okay. So they start, we start with delegating something where I can still have oversight yep. and then you continue to move up. So you're, you're trying to understand what you want to check in on every week. If you think of it this way, just thinking of your task list, like what am I checking in on every week? What am I checking in on every month? Mm-hmm. And that if you're saying, well, eventually it doesn't make sense for me. I'm going to be part of the budget planning cycle as the business owner, but it does not make sense for me to be checking on the, the bank statements every day. Right. I ought to be checking on, we should have a financial report once a month. That's where I'm heading. Okay, so let's start with maybe we're going to have a little mini financial check-in once a week right now. Okay, what do I need to know? Mm. What I need to know is what's off plan. I need to know when we're plus, and I need to pick, is it plus minus 5%? Is it plus minus 20%? What do I, when do you need to call me at home because we've got a problem? So you start to look at the business from what the organization needs. And if you're not the only owner and controller of it, you say, well, an organization needs to have, we can't meet all the time about everything. I can't keep track of every single thing. I worked with an organization that was a nonprofit and the executive director had 12 direct reports and the controller would come by every day and be like, we got that check. We got this, that government grant. And I mean, it was literally like, what are you doing? The executive director should have four or five direct reports Mm. And, sh- and the controller should once a-, a month be giving you a report unless something like a check doesn't clear, at which point, yes, you need to tell the executive director immediately because the executive director is the person who's going to mm. get on the phone and call. Right. So <clears throat> that's the kind of thing with delegation is you're thinking a little bit more systematically about the organizational growth and the target mm. for the organization will help you um, understand what tasks actually are a building block to an, a delegation of authority, which mm-hmm. is empowering. And that, that's really important, actually, because that what you just described there creates that approach. As you get bigger and bigger, you can just start expanding that. And as you say, those parameters may change as it grows, because I, I've got somebody now who's below me, who's ahead of something. So they can look at the, the plus or minus 5%. You're more interested in the plus or 10% or something where right. It starts to create that natural organic growth and sort of, uh, I guess, key processes that will right. trigger things and having those regular moves and regular meetings that would um, facilitate that. And it all comes down to that conversation, isn't it? I think right. often people have this sometimes have the perception of delegating. You chuck in somebody a task, tell them, and you just lead them to it. But actually, no. And you're not checking in on You're more about trying to have a conversation, but also supporting them in that because obviously yeah. – you want to make sure that they've got the resource they need to facilitate that task or process. Absolutely. And to the point we were talking about earlier with busyness, and this can be often one of the bigger blocks, is that as you begin to delegate, you have fewer and fewer th- 
things you need to do. So people often go, but what am I going to do all day if I have this team and they only call me when there's a problem? And then we have, we don't meet every day. We only meet once a week or once a month. And then other people are, and here's a big one. They're doing their job better than I could ever do it. Right. That's the point. Right. I'm trying to hire people with this. Is, yes. This is, trust me, if we want to get into the real crux of what holds businesses back is often that idea that you're trying to grow a business by hiring people who do what you do better than you do it and yeah. developing the organization. We ego there, aren't we? That whole thing where you right. let something go and they actually do it better. They come up with some ideas you never even thought, thinking, whoa, what's going on here? <laughs> So transferring, though, and that's why I talk about your pay grade is as you're elevating yourself in the organization, you're either two things. If you're trying to leave, like let's say you're you're, you're trying to trans transition the business to a new generation, whether it's a family or just a new generation of management, you're trying to kind of grow yourself out of the role, then you, you do, in fact, want to fully remove yourself. But most of the time, the organization is growing. Your goal is to continue to grow yourself into a higher and higher and higher state. I had a conversation with a a, 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 a prospective client. He was talking about, well, you know, with Apple, because, it's, you know, if he was talking about quality control. And he was like, you know, it's always charged. The thing's always this. It's always that. And I was like, how many times did Steve Jobs, you know, show up at your house when you were a kid to make sure that it was all charged up? Like never, right? <laughs> like so that the idea is yes, the organization has a responsibility for quality control in terms of customer service, but you as the owner need to be growing yourself into these higher and higher roles. And so they get bored as to what am I supposed to be doing then? They, that's the fear. And it's like, but there'll be a whole new slew of things that you that will fill your day, mm. things that require your attention when you're the CEO of a business that's five or 10 times the size of the one you have right now. Totally. And, and it's that challenge of is the controlling aspects. And, yeah. and I know when people have started a business and it's their little baby that's now growing up, uh, relinquishing control, which is how they see it. Um, and I, I always say to sort of business owners and CEOs in that state where if you're empowering people, they always say, oh, there's a risk of that. And I always say, well, there's a risk you not doing it because right. if you want to expand your capacity, you've got to empower people, obviously in the right way, in the right manner and, and appropriately right. with controls. Otherwise, you will just um, um, inhibit growth because it will all be through you and you'll be the bottleneck for everything. Right. And, and, and also, I've always said that, when you empower somebody, when you say to somebody, go from, I want you to go from A to B and here's the resources, here's the time frame, do it how you wish. Mm-hmm. I've got an idea how I think it should be done. And they come up with a more productive, more innovative and effective way. Actually, yeah. it starts to create ideas as well. And also then yeah. people feel valued because they feel that I've got some responsibility. There's a whole gamut of things that come out of it, doesn't there? Right. But I have to, as the leader, really come to terms and to a certain extent mourn the loss of being so important to the functioning at that level. Mm-hmm. And that's where the the vision for the, when I work with someone, the personal vision and professional vision they have, it's like, what is it the next tier up? What is the goal? And this is where, again, that organizational really having some real desire to create value beyond making money is important because there has to be something that will pull 
you and prod you sort of from both sides towards the next level, which will then allow you to seed control and not even to see it as seeding control, to see it as the right thing for the organization, right? To be distributing these responsibilities. It is to be that, that your goal as a leader is to get the best ideas out, not to have the best idea. Mm-hmm. But that is really a, a pretty intense process for most people. It's an intense process, I'm sure, for you and I, right? You know, like I'm yeah. I, I I run a fairly you know, I'm not, I don't have a real scale model because I am very important to my organization, right? I'm the person who delivers yeah. the magic. And if I want to grow this business beyond a certain level, uh, I have to start the process of being like, oh, I'm going to have to find people who do what I do better and or diff- and differently. Yeah. And that's got to be okay. And I maybe, you know, if, I, if you don't get there, there's a business model for that. You're maybe not my client and probably not your client, but there's a there's a business model if you want to, it, it's built around you and, and you're, you as a sole practitioner mm-hmm. or as a very, as the central um, focus. It's just a, one that doesn't scale beyond a certain size. Exactly. So. And, that, and that's the important thing. If you want to scale, uh, it's not so much seeing, giving stuff away is like a loss because it, it might feel that way, but look, forward to what you may gain and it's and it's and it's it's tilting people's head a bit more actually this is what you could gain by almost letting go of that stuff that you're holding on to because you'll never keep going that way um thank you for your uh insights and thank you for this conversation i think we could have we could have carried on a bit longer there but um keeping it to a reasonable length uh, for people listening um so thank you for your time Kezia. uh so what how can people get hold of you how if they're interested in, in learning more about you yeah, if you want to learn more about me, reach out to me on on LinkedIn. Um, that's a great place to to find me. You can also connect with me on my website. Um, it's www.cassia-partners.com. Uh, and I'm always just interested in hearing people's stories and and just learning more about, like I said, about their businesses and about how they got to where they are. So really encourage people reach out. Um, and especially if you're having some challenges delegating or with your team, getting uh getting people beneath you to delegate usually you're also having problems delegating just fyi <laughs> um, but uh please please reach out to me i'm always happy to have a conversation about that brilliant well thank you for your time today thank you for having me if you like this episode then please do subscribe do share with your friends and do check out other episodes in the series if you're looking for support and help in your organization to create a resilient culture then please do get in contact with me on julianrobertsconsulting.com thank you